Hello, I'm Daniel. Welcome to my podcast, Sharpening the Mind. Hello, I'm Daniel. Welcome to the podcast. This We're going to talk about insecurity today. And I realized as I was creating this podcast that this is probably something that can be multiple episodes because there's a lot of material in here. And today, what I'm going to talk about is my personal insecurity and I'll 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 make that a little bit broad but mainly this episode's about me and my guest today is Alicia Marley. Alicia has been a guest here once before and she's going to tell you who she is now. Hello, I am Alicia Marley. I live with Daniel and we have a life together. What else do you want to know? That was pretty good. So um, this is my domestic partner, Alicia. We live together. We go to karaoke together. We go to Buddhist events together, and we raise children together. So she's around a lot. So it's really easy for me to get her as a, as a guest because she lives here. Um, and we're going to talk about insecurity, and she's going to go first. So, Alicia, what can you say about insecurity? Um, well, everybody has insecurity. Everybody has things that they struggle with. Some people are more open about what their insecurity is. Some people are a lot better about hiding it or overcompensating in some way or another. Um, some people act like they do have it all together. And, I mean, maybe... Maybe they do, but more than likely, I tend to think, there's something in there that they're working on. Because everybody has something that they're working on and that they don't like about themselves. Um, So yeah, I think it's a really relatable topic. Um, I don't know anybody in my life who doesn't have something that they're insecure about, whether it be... You know, the the way they interact with their kids or the way they look. I mean, everybody has something that they don't like about themselves or their lives. So I think that's really the source of the insecurity. And along with that, it has to do with self-love and self-compassion. Um, being insecure and on the, on the flip side, having confidence about yourself. Yeah, that was very good. Thank you. So, I want to talk about meditation events because I started last summer. I started having these for for a little backstory to what I'm going to tell you. I started having these outdoor meditation events. We would go to the Nelson Museum Lawn, and if you're in Kansas City, you're very familiar with the Nelson Museum Lawn. It's a great, beautiful, wonderful place, and we would just put down blankets, and we would just lead meditation, and I, honestly, I advertised that very little, and a lot of people would come, and I did that once per month, uh, August, September, October. I didn't do one in November, because it got too cold, but August, September, and October, I did it three times, and... Each time, more people would come, and it was great. And 
what would we do? We would sit and I would give a little bit of instruction, give a really short talk, and then we would just sit and meditate in a public place. And that's the purpose of that is, one, we get to enjoy the nice weather because there was nice weather. And then also sort of uh, it's really approachable. My plan was to be really approachable, and I think I achieved that because – if you're going to a meditation event and it's outside, that's not as intimidating as going inside a temple or a yoga studio or uh, wherever else people do these things. It's sort of scary for people. That's why people bring a friend to things like like that because it's sort of scary to go inside somewhere. So, And it sort of feels like you're trapped. So I especially wanted to create a situation where people could just leave if they felt like it. And I, I think I really did I think I really did that. And I'm we're gonna start that again in in April and I'm thankful that it's gonna get warm again. That's very good. But um anyway, I'm telling you all that to tell you that when November got here and when it got cold, I was like, Oh sh- shoot, I don't wanna lose all this momentum, right? What am I gonna do? And I didn't think of it for a while and then a few months later, um Last month, I guess, in last the month before last in January, I thought of, well, we could just have events. I can just have events in my house. I could just invite people to come to my house and meditate with me, and it'll be great. That's what I thought, and I think there are a number of benefits to that. If it's in my house, then I don't have to pay a fee for a location, and I don't have to think about any of that which mean which is good because I don't what I don't want is to ask for donations because I think that some people get scared away immediately if you say hey you can donate money for this location for this event you can donate money people get scared away by that we hope that one would hope that you say you know if you can donate please donate but there is some group of people that just once they hear the words if you can donate please donate they just say oh i don't have any money i'm not going to go right even if you say pay what you can afford or donate if you can or here's a little box and it's sealed and nobody's going to know if you donate or not like no matter what you do i think a lot of meditation communities have not figured out a way around that if you mention the word donation something like 5 or 10% of people are immediately not going to come I really believe that. Immediately not going to come. So anyway, that's why I thought, well, if we do it in our in my home, then my only expense is my time. Right? My time and my girlfriend's time. And that's it. That's my only expense. There's no financial expense. And I have enough time to do this, so I'm not too worried about it. So that's why I thought to have it in my home. And... I'm telling you now that we did it two times. We did it in January. We did it again in February. And um, attendance was not that high. I'm just going to say that. I'm not going to say any numbers to you, but I'm going to say attendance was not that high at these events. Whereas outdoors at the Nelson Museum, our events would be 20, 25, 30 I think close to 40 people one time, but I'm not totally sure. I didn't take attendance, but a lot of people would come to those. And whereas when we have the event in my home, 
And it's still me, and the event's described the same way, and I advertise it the same way, but still, attendance was way lower. And before, this, after the first event, which was in January, before the second event, which was in February, I started to ask myself, I started to sort of get those, get a negative train of thought. I started thinking questions like, what if no one comes? What if no one is interested in a meditation gathering in my living room? And I think that way sometimes. And maybe that's relatable. I mean, of course, not the people listening to this probably aren't putting together meditation events. But at the same time, we can think we all try to do things and try to get people to come to things. And they don't always, right? And so I think to myself, was this a bad idea? Am I setting myself up for failure? Am I setting myself up for feeling rejected? I think we all don't want to feel rejected. And I would just, I started just, and this is, again, again, I'll make this very clear. This is the day of. This is a Monday. That night, we're having a meditation event in our home. And I'm thinking to myself, people have lots of places to, they can go meditate in Kansas City. Is what I'm doing that unique? That's what I started asking myself. I started to think, is someone is coming to someone's house to meditate creepy and weird? Is that creepy and weird? Is that too hard for people to do? I wanted to I wanted to create a situation that's really welcoming, but I had this question to myself, is this creepy and weird? Is this creepy and weird? And then I thought well, there's a lot of meditation communities in Kansas City. Why don't I just try to get one of them to let me teach there? Because that's that's what this is about. I feel like I have I have a passion for sharing this, and I don't have a passion about a lot of things. So I feel like I have a passion for sharing this, and so I I just ask myself, well, why don't I just ask some other community to let me teach there? And then that brings up up a whole other wave of insecurities because I think, well, why would they let me? Why Why would they want to, me to teach there, right? So uh, that brings up a whole other thing that I don't really want to think about too much. So I'm telling you all this to tell you that there's one nagging question at the center of all this, and that is, what if the world doesn't care what I have to offer? What if the world doesn't care what I have to offer? That's a very difficult question to struggle with. And I've, so it's that Monday, and we're going to have a meditation gathering in our house, in our living room that night. And I've got all this rolling in my head. And I texted Alicia, my girlfriend, about it a little, and I was feeling pretty down. Again, it hasn't even happened yet. The meditation gathering is going to happen that night. And I'm thinking, oh, oh no, what if no one comes? No, What if no one cares what I have to offer, right? And... I'm going to ask her if he, she remembers what she said to me that made me feel better. Do you remember? Yep. Okay, tell her audience. So what I told you was if if one person comes, then teach that one person. Talk to that one person and be an influence for that person. Because whether it's one person, whether it's 100 people... <clears throat> still a person 
It still matters. It's still worthy. And you will exist the same whether there's one people, one person or 100 people. So let's just do it whether there's one person or not. Like we're going to do it. We're not going to not do it because there's two people who show up and we're used to having you know, whatever. No, you, they're still deserving of hearing the things that you have to offer because we don't know where they came from. We don't know what they were struggling with and we don't know the impact that we have on their lives, but it's our job and your job to show up when you say you're going to be there and be an encourager to those. And I think I think you're very good at both of those. Thank you. Um, What I wrote in my notes was that she said, if one person shows up, encourage that one. Um, And she said, teach. And I think that's the same thing. But encouragement is what I'm trying to do. And especially in our meditation practice, I think that we come up on getting discouraged and thinking, oh, I can't, I can't fit this into my day. Oh, I can't sit still for a little while. All I'm thinking about is what I'm going to do when this meditation is over. And I think that we need that. We need a lot of encouragement in that way. So that's why I like the word encouragement. But um, anyway, Alicia, I was talking to Alicia that day, and she told me that thing. Just, just don't. Who cares, right? And I think that's really important. I think that I was in my head and I was worried about, oh, how many people come. And so that makes a difference. But the most important thing about me hosting a meditation event is it makes me meditate because I need encouragement myself. And nothing encourages me like inviting other people to do it with me. So... In that sense, it's very important to me personally, even if nobody else is interested or even if it's just one or two other people, it still means a lot to me personally to invite other people to do it. That makes me do it. And I also, I do it a lot better if people are around, but ultimately just if there's an expectation of people coming, that's going to make me do it better. And I think that's going to make Alicia do it better too. Yes. What does it mean to do meditation better? I th- I w- I've always been taught there's no right way. It's not good or it's not bad. It just is. So what do you mean by that? Okay. So doing it better means making no excuse to stop early. Making no excuse to stop early. That's setting the amount of time you're going to meditate and then doing it for that amount of time. And when you're practicing alone at home by yourself, it's very easy to make an excuse to stop early. And that's a habit I have, and I think that's a habit a lot of people have. If I'm doing it by myself, I can come up with a reason why I really need to not do it the full time and I really need to stop. So that's what I mean by meditate better. What I really mean is meditate the full length of time rather than 
making an excuse to shorten it. It's very easy to come up with reasons for me, and I think for a lot of people. Are you saying that other people keep you more accountable? Yes, absolutely. Other people keep me more accountable. I cannot stop it early if other people are sitting there with me, especially if I'm leading it, but really, even if I'm not leading it. I can't... Just walking out of a meditation event and leaving because you don't want to meditate anymore is really challenging. It's really challenging. It feels very weird to do, so I don't do it, and I think other people don't do it. Well, right, because if you leave early, then you draw attention to yourself, and many people don't like that. So there goes... It's like we play this game with ourselves. Like, we're... Isn't the topic insecure? So Mm -hmm. we feel insecure about leaving because then somebody's going to notice and what if people see that it's me and then they start telling stories (laughs) like, oh, they were bored and I'm insecure. So sometimes that insecurity keeps you in the place that's going to benefit you more, which is interesting. So... In that sense, insecurity can work for you. It can be beneficial, right? We think of it as a really negative thing, but it it can actually be helpful. If it keeps you doing what you need to do, then it's helpful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something to be said. All our traits as human beings, um, there's nothing that's 100% bad or 100% good, right? everything can be useful and in that sense insecurity can be useful i'm insecure about other people thinking judging me for sneaking out of meditation early or getting to meditation late so therefore i'm not going to do those things that's very good i think and presumably Most of our listeners are not running meditation groups, so it's not 100% relatable, except that I think that, one, many of us have had the experience of inviting people to things and wondering if they'll come, but two, I think we all have that little voice in our head that says, I'm not good enough, or... The world doesn't care what I have to offer or what I'm doing is not important or whatever. I've heard that called, okay, my friend Megan Gregory called that brain weasels. She said on Facebook one day, she said, I'm struggling with brain weasels. (laughs) And I commented, the fuck's a brain weasel? And she said, it's that voice in your head that just tells you you're not good enough over and over and even though you know the voice is wrong you can't shut it up it just keeps going blah 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 you're not good enough you're not good enough and i think i don't know if she made up that term brain weasels or if it's (laughs) a well-known term and you audience let me know but i like it but i like it and that was the term that megan gregory my friend uh my daughter's mother said i'm struggling with brain weasels today And that was really meaningful to me. And what I said to her was, well, part of what my life is devoted to is overcoming brain weasels. Overcoming those voices for myself and maybe 
introducing other people to the practice and hoping that I could be of some help, but maybe I'm not of help at all because ultimately we have to do this ourselves. So brain weasels are always going to be there though. You know, like it's just, it's just a matter of if it's a, if it's a negative thought that just goes on repeat over and over to yourself and, um, you call that a brain weasel. Well, it's your choice overcoming versus ignoring. Um, I don't know if you're using those as interchangeably, but to me that seems different. You think we, okay. Do you think we can overcome them or we can't? I'm wondering if you're saying overcoming instead of ignoring. Because I think there's always, always, always going to be one brain weasel or another. And if it's not this one, it's going to be another one. So my wonder, my wonderment, I like that word wonderment. My wonderment is if we can make those voices quieter. I don't think we can make them silent, but I wonder if we can make them a little quieter. How do you think we do that? So we do it through our meditation practice, through learning how to see situations with more clarity. So in my specific situation of hosting a meditation event in my home and wondering if people care about coming, uh, my clarity is, it doesn't matter if people don't come. It doesn't make a difference. It's also like, like, I can think to myself, oh, no one came. Well, that's not true because I'm there, right? I can look in a mirror. And also, Alicia's there too, so two people came. Even if I think to myself, no one came. Well, that's not true, right? Two people came. Mm-hmm. Even if even if Alicia wasn't here, you know, it's just, just I came. All I need is a mirror, and then I realize, oh, somebody's here, right? I showed up. So, I showed up. Somebody showed up. So, it's ridiculous to have that fear of... Nobody will come to my event. That's so silly. <clears throat> and I still I still struggled with that, but I sort of, after a little bit of encouragement and talking to Alicia about it, I sort of felt a lot better because I thought, well, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to read to you a Zen quote. <laughs> this Chinese Zen master, his name was Li Po. And Li Po said... We sit together, the mountain and me, until only the mountain remains. We sit together, the mountain and me, until only the mountain remains. So there's two aspects to that, right? The second aspect is Lee Po is going to die someday and he doesn't care. But the first aspect is he's sitting by himself and that's okay because he just thinks, well, the mountain's here with me. It's all good, right? And... So I think that's really powerful because it just tells us it doesn't matter. Even when you sit with people, like really, the truth is you're sitting alone. Alone with others. That's this practice. We're doing it alone with others. And in a broader sense, we all feel like somewhat, sometimes we all feel like I'm not good enough. And the world doesn't care what I'm offering. And... I think even really successful and well-liked people think that sometimes. I'm not good enough is a powerful feeling and it can really nag at us and bring us down like a brain weasel. 
And uh, that day I had that event. I could have let that. I could have let that overtake me. And I could have canceled that event. It was very cold. And I could have said, I'm canceling this event because it's really cold. And that would have been believable. Acceptable. Well, it would have been an acceptable answer because all sorts of stuff have been canceled because of the weather in Kansas City the last couple of months. But it would have been easy for me to do. And then that way I can completely avoid any feeling of rejection, right? And the fact is, though, that I would have known that that was crap. I would have known that I was tricking myself and trying to trick the world. And the fact of the matter is that I want to have a meditation practice. And a powerful way to make myself do it is invite other people to do it with me. And I found that, you know, we're going to do it anyway. If we invite people and nobody comes, we're still going to do it. So in that sense, it's still useful. And... A lot easier to not meditate if I'm not meditate if I'm not sitting with others if I'm not inviting others to sit. It's really easy to not do it. And the truth is, this is my last note. The truth is, if our attention is fractured, if we're unmindful and distracted, then we're not seeing things clearly. We don't have clarity. And if we don't have clarity, then it's really easy for those nasty voices, those brain weasels to take us over, to overcome all of our thinking and to be unlimited. If our attention is fractured, if we're unmindful and distracted, then it's, and if we're not seeing things with clarity, then it's really easy for those brain weasels to take over. The ones that say, I'm not good enough. So that's how I want to say that our meditation practice to strengthen our attention, to make us more mindful, to help us see things clearly, can help us with insecurity. And that's what I really want to say above all else. Do you have anything to add? I'm very proud of you. Thank you. But um no, I think you did a you did a thorough explanation. <laughs> I I was trying to write this as just a talk for me to do by myself and I thought, "Oh, this is awful. I can't just do this by myself." So I invited Alicia to come be a guest on the podcast. This is the second time she's been here. The first time we had no topic at all and we just riffed and it was pretty good. And you can go back and find that one. It's called Alicia Marley. Um, I haven't decided what I'm going to call this one yet. But I wanted to tell you all, one, I'm going to do an outdoor meditation event on April 6th, I think. First Saturday in April at the Nelson Museum at 10 a.m. And that's going to be great. And... I also wanted to say, do you want to be, if anyone wants to be a guest on this podcast, let me know. I would love to have other guests or I'll just have my girlfriend over and over as my only guest. That's okay too. Um, I like to call her my life partner because girlfriend sounds very like sixth grade. But anyway, 
Um, if anyone wants to be a guest on this podcast, I like to have people come to my house. I don't really want to do it right now. I don't feel prepared to do it on Skype or whatever other ways people do it online. But if anyone local wants to come to my house and do a podcast, I think that would be really awesome. And if not, that's okay. Um, I guess that's all I have for right now. I think insecurity is very powerful and I think it affects every person in the world. And it's something we all struggle with and I think we need to learn to be mindful of it, to notice, oh, hey, I'm telling myself a terrible story and this is not the real way things are. I think we need to notice when that happens and our meditation practice brings us clarity and it helps us do that. So thank you for listening. Um, have a great day, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.